It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook where we post all of our podcast episodes. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts you'll find Locked on Packers, the number one podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. And I want to give a shout-out at the top of the show. Speaking of all of those things that I say and, and have said on the, the top of these episodes, uh, Brent Armstrong II sent me a great uh, graphic on Twitter that was basically locked on Packers and it it had the little slogan, the number one Packers podcast. It was a really cool thing. I sent it to a bunch of my friends. I was was really uh, flattered and uh, really heartened that someone would take the time to make that and and would share it with me. So uh, thank you, Brent, for that. Um, And speaking of, of thanks... Um, the, the first half of the show, we're going to spend talking about um, an interview that Devontae Adams did with Kelly Price at NBC 26 in Green Bay, and she was nice enough to send me over the full audio of that interview. Uh, so we're going to play that in a second and, and dig into what it means. And there are some things that are important in there, and, and not just because Devontae is the first major Packers player to speak out about the, the coaching hire. Uh, he mentioned that he met Matt LaFleur, but we're going to talk about why the things that he mentioned are so important and how they might manifest themselves in this offense. And then later in the show, uh, we're going to look at a specific part of the offense that needs to get fixed and, and, and dig into why it happened and how Matt LaFleur's offense might be able to ameliorate some of the issues that had been plaguing this offense and, and things that, that had not been a problem in the past that had suddenly cropped up. And I, I think there's definitely a case to be made that, that just having these guys with more experience is going to help some of that stuff. But we're going to get into the details of that a little bit later. Let's start, though, with what is really the, the most we've heard from any prominent Packers player about the new head coaching hire. We, we haven't heard from Aaron Rodgers yet on Matt LaFleur, although we've been told they've, they've spoken several times. We don't really know much about what the players think or, or how much interactions they've had. They had to have physicals, and so presumably most of them have gone up and, and met him, maybe had conversations with him. I think there are probably particular players that that he wanted to to meet with and and guys that that you want to start a relationship early the quarterbacks you want to you know you want to get them a playbook as soon as you can and we don't know if 
you know, his playbook is is fully realized at this point. Uh, but we got some of that information from Devontae Adams, uh, and this is via a conversation with Kelly Price from NBC26 in Green Bay uh, at the Pro Bowl yesterday. And of course, since last time we've talked with you, Matt LaFleur, now the head coach of the Packers, have you had a chance to talk to him or meet him? Yeah, I met him, um, went up for my physical just, just a few days back, got to meet him. He's a great guy. Um, I kind of like his, you know, what, he, what he's trying to do with the offense, and um, it's pretty innovative, so it'll be, it'll be a good way to you know, mix things up a little bit. How'd you find out about it? Did you hear just like everyone else on social media? Yeah, yeah I found out just like everybody else. Um, Actually, one of my buddies told me, and I get on and I look, and I, because I, I didn't really know too much about him, I knew he was with the Titans, so I looked him up and then uh, did a little bit of my own uh, homework, I guess you could say, and then um, you know met up with him, and, and it was it was great, it was a great first impression, and uh, yeah, I've heard nothing but good things so far, so that's that's the good part. When you met him, what were some first impressions? Um, I mean, he's a real young guy. He's a, he's a you know, it's a, it's a big change up from from uh, Mike style, obviously just off age alone. And uh, you know he's really relatable, which is which is going to be really good. I know uh, to be able to lead men, you got to be able to you know entertain them and kind of hold capture their attention and um, gain their respect. So he's a guy that I see that we can definitely head in that direction with. Your old wide receivers coach, uh, Luke Getzey, apparently yeah. back in Titletown. How do you feel about that? Now he's coaching quarterbacks, obviously. Yeah, as long as he's back. I mean, I love that guy. So as long as he's back, um, it don't really matter what room he's in because he'll be able to still kind of capture. I'll steal some of that coaching and um, you know be around him a little bit. So I'm, I'm happy for him. Now, I mentioned this on Twitter. There are two things in there that I find particularly interesting. And, and the first is the it's a little bit more intangible. It's a little bit more esoteric. It's a little bit harder to define. And that is this notion that Matt is a younger coach and that as a result, and this is, this is Devontae Adams' reasoning now, that he will be able to resonate with the players he'll be able to relate to the players in a way that Mike McCarthy couldn't and and I'm not saying that okay I'm not saying Mike McCarthy wasn't resonating with his players I'm not saying he wasn't relating to them these are Devontae Adams words so by say we, we can we can learn just as much about what is not said than what is said and so when Devontae Adams says that he thinks a younger coach is, is going to come in and relate to the players well, he doesn't have to say better. He doesn't have to say the word better to imply the word better. And when you lose a locker room the way that Mike McCarthy lost the Packers, it's pretty clear that at a certain point, you have stopped relating to your players in an important way. And we don't, we don't know for sure that that's the case. But there is a hint here. There, the undertone of mentioning that this is a different energy. It's a different kind of guy. It's going to be a change-up. When you then, when you say that, which Devontae Adams does, and then you list all of these traits that stand out to you, the implication is that these are the things that are different. And then that dovetails with this idea of a more innovative offense. That word is important because Mike McCarthy's offense was a lot of things. It was effective for a long time. It was not innovative. And players knew that. Devontae Adams knew that. Aaron Rodgers knew that. Everyone on the offense knew that. Even the guys new to the offense, even Mercedes Lewis, 
and Jimmy Graham and these other guys, they knew that. They knew that because they played in it. And they, they have TVs too. They have Sunday ticket. They have Game Pass. They're watching these other teams every week and saying, our offense doesn't look like the Chiefs offense. That's supposed to be our system, but that doesn't look like our system. And they watch the Rams offense and they watch the Patriots and they watch the Steelers when they're playing well. And they say, well, our offense doesn't look like that. Why doesn't our offense look like that? And so it's, it's obvious to me that these players recognize right away, all you have to do is watch the Titans last year play or watch the Rams two years ago play or watch the Rams this year. Same offense. That is an innovative offense. And the players know that. They recognize that. And I think the idea that something is innovative and that a younger group of players is going to be more receptive to Matt LaFleur, those are related. I really believe that. Because younger players are used to college offenses. College does a much better job of innovating, of of accepting progress, of, of inciting progress. And saying, we don't have the talent to compete with these teams, so we need to find schematic advantages. Doug Farrar wrote a whole book on this. The Genius of Desperation. When you don't have the talent to compete with the teams around you, you find ways to innovate. You find ways to get around that lack of talent. And in college, they do a great job of managing that, of finding advantages when you don't have the talent advantage. And oftentimes these college players come from systems that work and are forward thinking and are adaptive and malleable. And they get to the NFL and they go, what the hell? What is this? This is regressive and retrograde and dumb. What are we doing? And I'm not saying Mike McCarthy's offense is any of those things. But what I'm saying is a young coach who is willing to be adaptive, to think progressively, to think in an innovative way, you're going to capture young players in a way you wouldn't with a more traditional approach. Older players, that's what they know. Aaron Rodgers knows this offense. It's all he's run in the NFL. And and so he may be less apt to be super amped about a transition, although I, I assume he is. But the point here is a, an older player, he can deal with a less progressive, a less innovative approach in terms of the scheme. It's a younger player that is looking around going, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Because an older player has been through the battles. They know that the coaches are, are asking them to do a thing for, the, for a reason, and they know that the best thing for them is to just do their job and just do their job to the best of their abilities, and that's all they can really do. They know the game, and they can sort of get by on guts and moxie and guile and all those things. But a younger player is going to go, what are we, why are we doing this? This doesn't make sense. And even if they don't, they're not going to be as in tune with everything that needs to happen. It doesn't all have to be so, so much of a ballet dance and it can be more a group of solo acts. And, and that's, that is more appealing to a younger player. So when you look at Matt LaFleur, who's going to come in and bring an offense that gets everyone excited about playing it, 
you relate to the players in a better way, in a closer way, by stimulating them on an intellectual level and saying, hey, guys, we're going to bring a fresh approach to offense. And they're going to buy in. They're going to be engaged by that. And when you're able to adapt that and grow it and evolve it, you have the attention of your players in a way you don't if you refuse to do those things. And so if you're a coach like Mike McCarthy, who failed to do those things over and over and over, then you aren't relating to your players because what your players want are to be in the best position to succeed for them. And if you're not doing that on a consistent basis, they're not stupid. They're going to realize that. They're not going to trust you and they're not going to relate to you because they're going to look at you as the old conservative coach who couldn't adapt his system. Couldn't or wouldn't. We don't, we don't quite know. And, and all of this is, to, is, is not to say that I, that I don't think Mike McCarthy is a good coach and that he can't succeed. I do think he needs to adapt. I think he needs to grow. And I, I hope for his sake this year off brings some soul searching for him. But there's no question in my mind that the idea of a, a forward-thinking coach is directly related to that relationship with your players. Because Bill Belichick, he doesn't know what Fortnite is. He doesn't go on Twitter. He doesn't go on Snapchat. I, I, I would bet he's got a flip phone. He might even have one of those old Nokia phones that still has Snake on it. He doesn't relate to his players on a, on a maturity level. I mean, he, there, is, there is nothing about Bill Belichick that relates to millennial culture. Nothing. But that team adapts. They think progressively from a football standpoint. They mold their game plans every week in a way that keeps every player engaged. And so Bill Belichick does not have to know who Ariana Grande is for the players to be happy with what they're doing every day in practice. But if you are an older coach who employs a dated system, you are by definition not relating to your players. And so if you're going to be Matt LaFleur, the fact that he's young, okay, that's nice. And, and he has a little bit better understanding of, you know, what it's like to be a young person in the world today. But it's more that offensive system. It's more about what he brings as a football mind that will allow him to relate to his players because he can engage them in a way that Mike McCarthy simply couldn't. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post 
quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water-resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one-two punch to keep your one-two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, let's go throw a couple nuggets out on Allen. And I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws, but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. And so as we look at this offense and where it needs to improve, we've talked about the offensive line and and making that improvement at right guard. We've talked about the run game and the commitment to it and, and why that is the foundation of this scheme. But something happened last season that needs to be addressed. It needs to be fixed when it comes to what's going on with this offense. Because if you go back in time and you look at what made this offense work, Aaron Rodgers, he could work from the confines of the pocket and get the ball out in rhythm or, and, both, he could extend plays and create down the field. So last year, Green Bay had the 10th fewest throws getting the ball out in two and a half seconds or less according to pro football focus that is not a huge deal Jared Goff was the least and that's because a lot of that passing game is predicated on play action so it takes a little bit longer to develop you're trying to get shot plays down the field Marcus Mariota who ran the Matt LaFleur offense in Tennessee almost identical numbers to Aaron Rodgers in terms of how often he got the ball out in two and a half seconds or less. Deshaun Watson did it more infrequently. Russell Wilson did it more infrequently. Patrick Mahomes did it about as frequently. The problem is not how often he did this. The problem was how efficient he was when he did it. So if you go back to 2014, when Aaron Rodgers got the ball out in two and a half seconds or less... He was third in the league in passer rating. So that we're measuring efficiency now. Not just how often is he getting the ball out quickly, but how efficient is he being? Because Patrick Mahomes, for example, last year, I told you, was only a little bit less often holding the ball than Aaron Rodgers. 
but he was the best quarterback in football in terms of passer rating, getting the ball out of his hands in two and a half seconds. That is a couple things. Number one, that's play design. Number two, that is knowing where to go with the ball, being able to read defenses. We should not have any concerns about Aaron Rodgers' ability to do that. And number three, it is the playmaker's ability to get open and be in the right position quickly so that the ball can come out on time and on rhythm so that a guy can get the ball and make a play with it in his hands. This offense, with what was being called, what was being audible to, we can't parse those things. But what we know is the quick game last year wasn't great. And let me so let, let's just get back to this, this progression. 2014, third in the league in passer rating when he got rid of the ball in two and a half seconds or less. In 2015, a down year by Aaron Rodgers' standards, right? Statistically speaking, he was ninth in passer rating. In 2016, he was sixth in passer rating. When he gets the ball out quick, he is one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. The efficiency when he holds the ball hasn't really changed over time. We know what he can do extending plays. He's always among the most efficient guys holding the ball and creating down the field. But in 2018, he was 14th in passer rating when getting the ball out in under two and a half seconds. So what does this tell us? What do we learn from this information? If he's not being efficient getting the ball out, then that's play design. That is being able to read the field and its receivers being able to get open. Well, let's start with play design. The Packers did not run a lot of quick game where it was slants, hitches, those those three-step drops. They don't run a lot of true receiver screens. They run some of those RPOs where it's just rise and fire when it's off a look that you're getting. Rodgers is seeing, okay, the corner's playing off. I'm just going to take one step, and we're going we're gonna to throw this ball out. And Green Bay had more of those last year than they had in the past. These, these designed, it's either a handoff or we've got two receivers to one side, and we're going to throw a little half bubble over here to try and pick up four, five, six, seven yards. Those plays, those built-ins, where you've got easy throws, quick reads, those were not there for the Packers' offense last year. They just weren't. And they have been staples in this offense for a long time. Get slant flat. And I, I, I complain about how often they call that stuff, but it hasn't... It wasn't there. They weren't able to get it. Part of that is you lose Geronimo Allison. So you don't have someone, and and Randall Cobb. So you don't have guys you trust to get open quickly. And you also look at the skill sets. And this is, I think, crucial. You look at the skill sets of the receivers. Once Allison goes out and Cobb is in and out of the lineup all year, you have Devontae Adams who can get open quickly. Everyone after that on the roster Jimmy Graham can't do it. He's slow in and out of his breaks. That's not what he does best. Equinemius St. Brown and Marquez Valdez-Scantling are big, long receivers. They're long striders. That's not what they do best. They're best on dig routes and crossers and posts and corners and go routes. They're not the guy that you're going to get the ball out and let him go make a play. That is part of Matt LaFleur's offense. There are more receiver screens there's quick game there's stuff designed to get the ball out of the hands of the quarterback 
when, when they're not running play action. So if you build it up from the bottom, you've got the bones of this offense, and that's going to be the run game. Then you go play action from there, and then from there you build in your passing game, three-step, five-step, seven-step. But there are a lot of opportunities in this offense based on the looks that they're going to get, much like what Green Bay did last year, and say, okay, well, if this is the look we get for this run call, we're going to kill that run call to this pass play, and it is designed specifically to get the ball out quickly to this receiver. And I think that's one of the reasons you saw Rodgers get sacked on third downs this year, third and shorts. It's because he was either not seeing it cleanly or he wasn't trusting his receivers to be in the right places on these third downs and get open quickly. He wasn't, he wasn't decisive. He didn't trust the look he didn't trust the play. So he has to be able to trust that the receivers are going to be in the right place, and he's got to trust that the play call is going to design him a look that's going to get what he needs to get out of it. But I think when you look at the talent on this team and the players that are here, you look around and you say, who is the guy besides Devontae Adams that's going to get open in a hurry? And when you watch the Patriots... How many times on third and four do they run that little out route with Edelman and from the slot, you've got the outside receiver takes the cornerback inside and you've got Edelman wide open and on third and four, you pick up six. I mean, the Patriots do this all the time. You can't stop it. They split James up white out wide, second and two. They pick up four, they pick up five. And then every once in a while, you hit that on a wheel route and it's a touchdown because the defense has seen it enough. They're going to play that out. They, they pass it off. They're in position and it's a pump and go and you've got touchdown. Those plays have not been in the Green Bay offense because they haven't had players that they've trusted to be out there. So that means putting Aaron Jones out there, something Matt LaFleur has done. He did it with Deion Lewis last year. It's something that the Rams do with Sean McVay. Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta loved to split his fullback out, his tight end out, to create matchups that allow the ball to come out quickly because you've got a tight end on a linebacker or you've got a running back on a linebacker. And now you have this opportunity where the ball can come out quickly with a mismatch and you can catch and run. Randall Cobb is really the only other receiver on this team that has that ability physically to be that, unless we see progress from in, in short area quickness and route running from EQ and MVS. And we might. We might. That's why there's been a discussion over the last few days about Cole Beasley, who's a free agent and, and felt very uh, underutilized in Dallas. I think for the price, that could make some sense. There are a bunch of receivers in this draft who have that short area quickness. I know Hunter Renfro is a name that, that Packer fans would like. He's, uh, he was at Clemson for approximately 12 seasons before coming to the Senior Bowl this week and being eligible for the draft. Uh, Andy Isabella, I know there's some questions about his hands, but, I mean, he might run 4-3, and he has that short area quickness. Wes Welker was a body catcher, too. If, if you can recreate even part of that, you know, you could have a player there. My point in all of this is the Packers need someone with that short area burst. The guy Randall Cobb used to be. 
to get and and someone that that for example Greg Jennings used to be Donald Driver used to be Devontae Adams can do it but he draws so much attention he can't be the only guy who does it that's why I've advocated for Golden Tate for Jamison Crowder for a Cole Beasley to come in and and give Aaron Rodgers an outlet on those quick looks when the ball is coming out in, in under two and a half seconds. It's why I've advocated for a new move tight end. It's why I've advocated for a pass catching running back. Someone like, unfortunately, Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery would have been great in this offense. He would have been great in a Josh McDaniels offense too. That's what makes this all so unfortunate that that things ended for him the way that they did in Green Bay because in this offense he really could have found a home but now Green Bay needs to find another player who can get open early because the ball's got to be out that's just how it is the ball has got to be out except when you've got designed shot plays or you're gonna you're gonna rely on a second reaction play the ball's got to be out and the Packers have to find a way to be more efficient on those quick throws because Rodgers is extremely quick with his processing and he can beat you with his brain and his accuracy on those throws. But he's got to trust it, he's got to see it, and he's got to have guys who can do the job for him on those quick throws. So the Packers have to get him confident once again in both the scheme and the guys, and they probably need to get one or two more guys who can win in that area to get this offense back on track, to be able to get the ball out quick and create after the catch. All right, we're going to be back next week and we'll start our report card series. I haven't watched the Edge guys yet, but uh, I will I will do that uh, as soon as I can. We'll get to that report card next week. Uh, that is on my priority list. Right now, I'm, I'm getting through the offensive tackles. Not really loving any of these guys. It's like Jonah Williams and a bunch of dudes. So I am, I am becoming less and less interested in this offensive line class in the first round, especially if I'm the Packers, hoping that you know someone can fall in that 44 range. Maybe you get someone in the third round or they've got two fourth round picks. You know, Maybe that is where they've had the success in that fourth round. That's their sweet spot with offensive linemen. Uh, but again, that's why you draft... That's why you sign a right guard, and then you have your starters. You've got your starting five, and you're good to go. Everything else after that is gravy. So we'll get to that report card series next week. We're also doing a similar series on Acme Packing Company uh, with the position groups and guys who could be available in free agency and the draft and all that stuff. So keep an eye out there. Remember, you can always follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can rate us, leave a review there. You can also rate us and leave a review on iTunes. We highly encourage you to do that. It is a great way for us to hear from you, but it's also a great way for other fans to read the reviews and say, hey, that's a podcast I want to listen to. That's a podcast community I want to be a part of. And that's the part of this that is so cool is we have built this community. So let's build it even bigger and anytime you want to hit us up on the locked on packers fan hotline you can do that 920-341-3775 in fact i had two messages two voicemails in fact come in just as we're recording this show so keep them coming we're going to get into them more next week we actually had news and stuff to talk about today so 
We didn't get a chance to get to as many questions as I wanted to, but we have plenty of time for that. We have the whole off season for you to stay locked on Packers. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite MLB team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.